How's it going, everybody? Max, I'm excited. I know you're excited. Absolutely. You're, you're blushing. Look at you. <laughs> Look at you. We have our first part two guest ever. Ever. Absolutely. And uh, Steve Conrad, thank you so much for coming in and uh, blessing us. And uh, the last time you were here, we didn't even shoot the season. I'm saying we like I was. I was. I you, was were there. you were there. You were I there. Was season there. Two, I was there. You were there. I was there. But. Uh, didn't even shoot season two of Patriot yet, and uh, here we are now. And you've done Patriot season two, Perpetual, Perpetual Grace, Grace. And, uh, and now, now the Ultra City Smiths. Yes, yeah. which well, is it, a goddamn work of art. It's oh, really beautiful, Thank man. You. Well, it's nice to be uh, together after Amen. going through so much. I hope yeah. that it, we are able to stay together for a while. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. This was, uh, yeah, the last 15, 16 months, I think we all became somebody else. I mean, me, me and Max and Chris took a break from this for a couple of months a while ago because toward toward the end, it was getting argumentative and salty and, like, shitty. A little <laughs> so, bit, yeah. 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 And, and we were just... Uh, not on my part, though. No, never. No, no, never, not on, ne- not never. on you're well, You know, you're the only one in... In our circle of friends, which includes me, who got smaller during this last You know what? I just, uh, I became a good patient after my heart surgery. And, you know, in the last year, I've lost 55 pounds. Since my heart surgery, I've lost 125 pounds. Let's keep on going. You've you've gone on some bad streaks, you know, here and there. But but not really crazy. You've never gone off the rails. That's the the art of it, though. My, My dad called that cutting the slide. Yeah, he would look at me and he would just say, "Cut the slide." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, you know, you have to find ways to write yourself. I mean, we we were talking before we uh, started uh, just about the crisis of mental health that's been happening as a result of four years, I think, of Trumpism, which I think was huge. I think it was a, a stone. Yeah, that year before yeah. was was. You know, all Trump all day long. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so it's five. Yeah. On a more local level, Rahm Emanuel didn't really help, you know. You yeah. Know, shutting no. down. Well, I, are we talking more on a national level of mental health? I guess that's. I was no, talking more shuttered, in, he shuttered, in Chicago, uh, I guess. Yeah. He shuttered most of the mental health facilities. Right. Right. Know, and closed 50 public schools. And, right. And uh, now he's the ambassador to Tokyo. I'm just glad the little fucker's far away. Okay, I, I agree. I agree. But you know, but but speaking like kind of you know of of Chicago and and you know the the darkness it has. There's there's this darkness in in Ultra City. And absolutely, uh, man. And the I, first episode, she don't care. It's like there's yeah. Sometimes when I feel like I'm in Chicago, I I, I have that feeling and 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 you, you know what and 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 I. I, I'm assuming this, but I, and I don't know if it's true, but I have to think that five years of of Trumpism kind of figured in to the the darkening of that show. Am, am I off base there? Or? Well, I didn't do it on purpose, but there, I, I'm, I'm sure that somehow it worked its way into whatever mm-hmm. expression I wanted to make about community. I mean, the 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 most awful aspect of that for me is the recognition every day that. Half of the people on the bus are behind somebody like that. Not in Chicago. We got to, that isn't yeah. the case. I just mean generally speaking, like your fellow man, half of them don't care about you. Yeah, and um, they are loud about it now and assertive about it now, mm-hmm. and to the extent that you feel like you're in a fight. And we are. Well, it, you, it you, is you, a fight. You, yeah. you, know? you wake up, and I remember Chris Conrad. We had a teenage fight once, and. He waited until I was sleeping to punch me in the face. <laughs> and Not a bad strategy, actually. That, that's how stuff. I felt the last five years. Yeah. That's how I was awakened by this thing. And then, but here we are. We're still here. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, uh, like Gunter Grass once said, sometimes survival is triumph enough. Um, I, I think. Uh, I, I don't think anybody who's an artist. I don't. I don't think. Anyone was not changed by either COVID or, you know, five years of Trumpism. I think uh, to an extent it kind of made us all other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, the highlight of uh, the horrid Trump years were I got to spend five months in Paris. And where you didn't hear nearly as much about Donald Trump, you just... No. 
spend a lot of time apologizing to French people no. for them, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, their news cycle isn't, isn't you know, 24 hours and, and in your face and, and yeah. all that. And you no, really I have mean, to go to your phone did, to get all Did that. you guys find that they were pretty gracious about that? Like, Absolutely. I, I never felt yeah. backed into a yeah. corner. No, everybody, everybody could not have been kinder to me. I mean, I'm still in touch with and still friends with the people who worked at the Renaissance Republic. Yeah, that know? was your gang hotel. Yeah, yeah. and... Um, Still with you know Michael Connell, um, oh, God. Charles yeah. Henry, Charles Henry, the guy who drove me to set every day. Yes, um, still writes me once a week. Uh, Caetano. Um, oh yeah, Selma. You know, I mean that 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 became kind of an unbreakable family. Yeah, and uh, I think particularly in season two. Well, that show's not letting go. Somehow, no, it isn't. More people are watching it now than they did. You know what? I get made. Yeah, I get made. A lot more now. You know, I wanted to ask you that because you're you're uh, so much more slender now. That <laughs> well, I still got the same unfortunate head. <laughs> I, I, I some woman uh, in the pool kind of waited up to me and she said, "I know who you are." She goes, "For a couple of days, I couldn't figure it out because you weren't wearing." Your Jack Birdbath hat. She goes, You're yeah. Jack Birdbath. And I said, I am Birdbath. And uh, she goes, Wow, you've lost a lot of weight. And I said, Thank you for noticing. <laughs> you know? like, but um, yeah, I mean, the uh, I got a tweet from Jake Tapper the other day because he's a huge Patriot fan. Yes, Jake Tapper, Jake Tapper um, moderated one of the presidential debates and he did the warm-up to the debate the filmed warm-up where they do the walkthrough he wore his patriot tracksuit that i i far out yeah he's he's um he, he i also just think he's very good at his job independent of him liking what we do i i think he is kind of a relentless voice that well he's he he's the thing he won me over at first i wasn't so sure but he was absolutely relentless. Him and Jim Acosta when it came to uh, Trump, and when it, and when it comes to uh, McConnell and the rest of those scumbags. Um, and yesterday, by the way, Biden passed a monumental uh, infrastructure bill, trillion dollars. It's going to go toward the environment, toward fixing roads, toward you know, getting back to the business of you know taking care of the American people. So. I think we're in a lot better place than we were a year ago. Yeah, I, I agree. Oh, yeah. And now our job is just to make sure that that gets traction and, and gets embedded and we put our feet down and stay here. You know? Absolutely. Um, and, and I think the thing we must absolutely encourage is that we no longer have the luxury of not voting or not having politics. You know, we, we don't... Um, I don't know how you can live through the last several years and think you can be apolitical. Yeah, well, generally I'm not. Whenever I discuss our work, I, I feel like it ought to exist in a world that's outside of it, not above it, you yeah. know, or beneath it, but outside of it. But, the, I mean, your show, the, the thing that you guys do is largely about art, mm -hmm. and presumably you don't have many Republicans on because there's not a lot of Republicans making Have we ever had one? I don't think we've... <laughs> I don't think we've ever had one. Don't you have um, a relative that's kind of right wing? Right I, we have a few. Yeah. I, have a, I have a brother who's uh, very active in Republican politics. But he wants to come on, right? Didn't he? No, have, no, oh, he okay. didn't. Uh, he's not ever. Uh, okay. No, he's no, he I, don't, I don't think he's ever wanted to come on. Okay. Um, and and the, the odd thing is, is that um, he, he's a marvelous guy. I mean, you, you talk to him one to one. He's a generous and he's decent and... Uh, uh, we just see the world very, very differently. Right. You know? Yeah, and if you if you did want to have a Republican on to talk about the art, I think you're pretty much relegated to Kid Rock or somebody like <laughs> oh, that. No. And, Let's you know, get him yeah. or Ted Nugent. You know, I mean, <laughs> let's get no, Kid I, Rock I, on uh, here. I'm 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 not John Voight. I can't hold an olive branch out. I'm just uh, <laughs> after January 6th. It's like okay. Right. You know that. Well, I yeah. read something that has given me some measure of peace. It's the uh, politics don't create the culture of a community; art creates the culture of a community. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, absolutely. And art makes the changes. Really, I mean, I feel like, you know, on social levels, like how much did like 
Chappelle, for example, do for like uh, with his sketch comedy, do for like you know discussions about like race and politics there, like just just through sketch comedy, and, and, and like, particularly like, in in the wake of the George Floyd murder, right? Oh, you know, that, and that uh, was oh, oh yeah, that Chappelle's, that's Chappelle's there, like yeah. he's like a Mark Twain or a George Carlin, absolutely. He's, oh yeah, an American. He, he's yeah. once yeah. once in a generation. Yeah, he's he's my Carlin or Pryor, yeah. I would say. Yeah, I mean, I grew up. Right in the, you know, I was 12, 13 when his show. When the show came out, I remember. And, you know. Your mother's was, yelling at me for letting you, know, you watch it. The Black Klansman, Rick James, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, Charlie Murphy's stories were brilliant. Those are, those are beautiful. It just changed how you saw uh, comedy a little bit. And then on top of it, like, his stand-up was even funnier than the sketches. And Absolutely. Like, Whoa. You know, he, he, incredible. he, I met him on Chirac. Because he yeah. had a couple days on Chirac. And, uh, yeah. He was the guy who ran the strip bar. Thanks and, for um, letting me know when you were going to be. On I didn't. No. I didn't know. I think I, I was. Know. I think I was overseas. I think I was with Gabby. Now yeah, that, you, that's you a, were that's a big deal. Yeah. I had a text conversation with Bobby Bear Jr., who's in the Jones Sisters, and also guided by Voices, and they were playing. Who, who by the way, is f- phenomenally fucking cool. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. Great guy. Good friend. Great singer. Great songwriter. He plays in guided by Voices, who are headquartered somewhere in Ohio, Akron, maybe. Yeah, okay. and it's Chappelle. Oh, it's right too? by where Chappelle lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there was some yeah. festival, and Bobby kept texting me saying, I, "I almost got a picture with him. I got another chance. I got another chance." <laughs> and I thought Bobby's a cool dude, and he can't wait to get a picture with this guy. That's how cool Dave Chappelle. Yeah, is. I know. I I feel similar. So you should have texted Max to let him know that. Yeah, a little bit. You he was in, he was in Europe. Room. He was in Europe with Ashkan and Gabby. Oh, okay. yeah, I think well, so. I think they so. Were, um, I believe pretty so. Pretty good consolation. I'll bail him out and say that's the truth. Um, no, it, act, it absolutely no. was. And, no. Uh, no, you know what though? I got to meet. I got to meet Spike. That was that was enough. You know for who me. could not who could not have do been the right thing. more decent to me? Um, Spike Lee. Yeah, when I when I came in to read for it, he, he's he's fantastic. He's the best. He's yeah. the greatest. When I, when I came in to read for it, um, it was because John Cusack showed him my book with all my anti-ROM columns in it. And he started laughing his ass off. And he said to John, he goes, it's a damn shame this guy isn't an actor. And John goes, actually, <laughs> actually. He, he is. And he goes, I want him in here in an hour. I you know, I, there are very few people who are good at two things on that sort of level where they're not just day tripping, where you really feel like they're getting something out of that art form. That list oh, is really pretty man. small. Um, Dwight Yoakam's fantastic. I, you know, I, uh, I've always been a fan, yeah. you know, um, he's real good. Cher, you know, Cher, Cher was able to do it. Yeah. Him Dolly and, Parton and Tony Fitzpatrick. Him, him and Steve Earle came, broke out at the same time. Yeah. And, uh, Tom Waits is good at both. Oh God. He's phenomenal. Yeah. You know, what was, okay. Now, now that that would have been my Bobby Bear Jr. Moment where I tried to get a selfie with him or something. You I, know, it's like, I, yeah, wait, I have to interrupt on the Tom Waits thing. So he's an excellent narrator throughout this show. How, like, what was it like encountering him for the first time? Like, is it, is it cool? Or are you nervous? Oh, or, I was so, I was so yeah. nervous. Yeah. Oh, he's been a, what do you, when you model on, someone who has um, demonstrated over time like some feat of quality control endurance yeah um and then just magisterial artistic output i i yeah i i was nervous to ask him to participate yeah and then the prospect of directing him like (laughs) trying to move him around that's that's insane yeah but he he just got it and Mm -hmm. there was no direction there was only i just got to sit and experience him, him yeah Reading, uh, reading the lines. I listened right. to uh, Rain Dogs this morning, you know, which is w- one of my favorite Tom Waits records. Right. Uh, Swordfish Trombones as well. Um, Burma Shave. Uh, you know, that idea of the enduring artist, when you look back and when uh, my kids are now in their early 20s and they know who he is, and I think, well, how, how did that happen? Because that, that really is, at the end of the day, a feat. Like, to, mm-hmm. to have sustained that long. Or, and... When we break it down at, at my little company, Elephant, and we wonder how can you last that long, because we're all just paying the bills, and you kind of have to survive. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it makes you wonder, well, where am I going to be? How am I going to keep doing this? And you can take the measure of guys like that, and you think that they they just remain very, very good. And with filmmakers, it is absolutely the truth. If you've been doing it for thirty years, you have demonstrated beyond a shadow of a mm-hmm. doubt. 
that you have mastered the the craft of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Totally. And Amen. it's true of, of the the guys who are still making great records like Neil Young and Bob Dylan yep. and Tom yeah. Waits that they Steve Earle. Steve know, for I mean, sure, Steve man. Earle. The Jones sisters. Pretty good actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we got our third album coming Steve, out. Steve's week, a so wonderful actor. On our way. I mean, Steve's very actually, good. you know, yeah. deeply nuanced actor. I mean. Yeah, he's in that category. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Jones sisters, man, what, what's next? Well, we have a, our third record comes out um, the second week of September. So, and it's another double album. So we'll have, that'll get us over 60 songs out there now. Well. My final museum show opens October 16th, and at some point, they want to program music, you know. And I would, uh, I would love to have you guys and Terry O'Quinn open for Steve Earle. Oh my gosh, I, I can, I think I can. If they are available, I think I can speak on behalf of the. Jones sisters, that oh. we would love to do it. And if everybody isn't, there'll be some iteration of me and Jim or me, Jim and Bobby. Amen. Somebody Amen. count us in. And but Terry, I, I'd if like, Terry could I'd come like, and do like a couple Ter of songs. I'd like, yeah, I'd like Terry to open open the show. Oh, Just great. have him bring his acoustic out. Okay, and, we're in. And are, yeah. are the jo the Jones sisters, are they available on like streaming platforms? Can we find them there? Or is it... Is it like, Where do you uh, go, iTunes? Or? Yeah, the first two okay. are on Fat Possum and we're out everywhere. Okay. Uh, I've done covers for Fat Possum years and years ago. Yeah, it's a cool label. Um, They've got uh, Burnside. They have Towns, Van Sands ca uh, yeah. catalog. And uh, they had, uh, what's his name? Chucky e. Weiss, who just recently passed away. The only guy to ever refuse an album cover that I designed for. Oh, gosh. Yeah. He was an odd bird. He, speaking of Tom Waits, those oh, two guys. Oh, he was an odd yeah. duck. Yeah. He, he's most famous for being Ricky Lee Jones's former boyfriend. You know, I mean, I don't know how much I liked the music, but I liked I liked that he existed. I liked that. I remember Ricky Lee Jones was on Saturday Night Live, and I was watching it with my mom somehow. I must have been eleven, and uh, my mom, I was just in love with her. My mom oh, yeah. said, "She's on marijuana." <laughs> and i thought she's smoking on the weed <laughs> and then i thought what is this like i want to know i'm gonna get this yeah. it had the opposite effect that my mom you know expected. what it was that little beret thing she had going on yeah and you just her I mean? own way just, of singing absolutely i mean she she was like the throwback to those like beatnik girls yeah you know i call I mean? them uh booed at the talent show like somebody who would come out and sing like that yeah ricky lee jones bob dylan neil young the first or Tom time. Waits. I mean, yeah. The, it first, it, it's like the first time anything great shows up. People are like, they yeah. boo, they hiss. Booed at the talent show. And then it takes time. And then what was I thinking? Well, the secret is you just outlast everybody. Yeah. That's how. Yeah. You know? Well, in that, in, that, in that small group of filmmakers who are still very important now, it, 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 it's Tarantino. Obviously, everybody knows who they are. It's Scorsese and Tarantino and uh, Paul Anderson West yeah, I've, I've, uh, me and Max used to go back and forth on Tarantino because there were things in his films I didn't like. But I got to tell you, after uh, Hollywood, once upon a time, yeah, that <laughs> sealed the deal. No. Come on, I, I even, mean, I even defend, I even defend him doing that that, that thing on on Bruce Lee. It's like, yeah, Dent, your that was out through that hilarious. I thought it was hysterically <laughs> funny, you know. I heard. I heard that his mom dated Bruce Lee, and Bruce Lee was not nice to his mom. Who, Brad Pitt? Wow. Or... No, Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. No shit. Wow. I don't know where the heck I heard that. That could be some weird dream I had. But right. I, I swear <laughs> I heard that. It sounds like a good, okay, now if that's good true, premise for a screenplay. <laughs> if that's true, that would ought to make you like him, right? Even more. Like if... if yeah, fixing, you, fixing you, you a score my, for your mom. Kept it, yeah. kept yeah. it yeah. going that long, you know, held it that long. Yeah, I, props. Um, and, but hey, how cool would it be to be in a position where you just, if that's true, it probably is not. But he, if that's this true. This sounds like a Steve Conrad kind of plot. He, just, he wakes up one morning and he's writing this script and he thinks, I'm Quentin Tarantino. I can break the myth, of, like by myself, I can break the myth. Of Bruce Lee, yeah, because right? like, I'm Fuck so powerful. <laughs> that is cool, and I hope it's true. I kind of got a kick out of like all the martial arts guys getting kind of offended by it. Because yeah, look, I did too. Man, I, I, did too. I, I think I think Bruce Lee is as tough as any guy, but I think also at the same time, man, it's like 
you know, I think QT made the good point. He's like, you know, he's he's fighting a fictional character. You know, yeah. is Bruce Lee gonna beat Dracula? No, he's not. He's Dracula. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I I, I mean, like that. You I know, know. You know I, like I lo- loved in that movie, and they didn't give him uh, enough to do was uh, Damien. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh man, man, he he just he just evoked like. Yeah. So it, on the set of that second series, which um, we made in New Mexico, and we brought some new actors into the into the regular group of people. Damien was new to me, um, but that cast expanded to include Ben Kingsley and Jackie Weaver and Jim yeah. Simpson, and. Who were phenomenal. Yes, but um, everybody, we knew that going in. And so I was just honored to uh, have had the occasion to work with him. Damon was someone whose work I hadn't experienced before. So uh, I I was surprised by the power of this person I hadn't seen before. And he left Mm -hmm. me feeling like he he could stand toe to toe with those names that I just mentioned. I expect very, very big things to, to, uh, yeah, yeah. for Damon. I agreed. I, I also loved, uh, I loved Jimmy Simpson in it. I loved, uh, Luis Guzman just broke yeah. my heart in it. You know, I mean, um, and you know, that whole, uh, part with Ben, you know, yeah, with the saw, yeah. And that that patter, it was just it, exquisite. I mean, there was just there were very few actors who could have pulled that off in the world. It's crazy. They had most of their scenes together, and Ben's uh, pedigree is Ben studied at the Royal Shakespeare Academy. Yeah, Tim mm-hmm. Spall. He's from the Royal Shakespeare Academy, and Louis from the Bronx. <laughs> That's it. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, each is as good as the other one. Yeah, and they're finding their rhythm together between those two uh processes uh it it had a lot to to do with the way those two characters were trying to find an accord and it was a real delight to particularly to watch those two guys louis one of our great actors and ben's absolutely the best yeah, ever. absolutely i think the best who's ever done it and, and by the way um Chris Conrad in Perpetual Grace oh, is God. just the funniest yeah. goddamn Chris Conrad performance I've ever seen. And very powerful. And that's saying something. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. He snookered my mother. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but that monologue when he's Your Honor and he's Your Honor? The yeah. going, oh. That, the, the first, Chris's first day was a, a scene with Ben Kingsley. And um, you know what it's like on Patreon. We don't really rehearse. Everybody kind of gets it. Yeah. yeah. We get there and we if there's a question i'm there for to hopefully give an answer but uh they hadn't really performed together they met at a table read and that was it and so chris just you know, i knew he was just going to sit down across from ben kingsley so uh, on this particular day because i thought it was eventful I, I decided i'd visit his trailer and ask him if he had any butterflies or what i could do to i said are you, are you nervous he said no did you ask kingsley if he was nervous <laughs> <laughs> And then, <laughs> yeah, okay. So we get there, and Chris sits down, and he's, he's, you know how we do this on Patriot too. It's right down the barrel. He's yeah. seated right across from Kingsley. <laughs> Chris is nervous as hell, <laughs> as nervous as I've ever seen him. I think this is good because he he. And he's gets not it. like wearing a shirt either. I mean, for the whole fucking yeah, show, you wouldn't let him wear a shirt. It was it's great. true, and it was cold. But I thought. It, <laughs> nervous in a very good way like he recognized the uh power that was you know that he had was gonna hit the ball back to chris Mm -hmm. um yeah and ben ben was not nervous (laughs) (laughs) he was was not nervous no not at all man and and chris conrad has been through a lot man he gets you know he bears it all and you know and I don't think he was nervous then, no, from no, what no, I understand. No, no, no. He was it, walking around. In fact, takes, didn't you have to tell him? He maybe between takes, maybe. Oh, that that full full, full yeah. in Patriot. Yeah, I it, mean, it he, takes, he was hanging. Uh, he was hanging bait, man. He, takes he, Ben you know. Kingsley to get him shook. Who knew? <laughs> well, I like the New Leaf character. It seemed like something you might find in a Jim well, Harrison novel or something. And I did too. Oh yeah. You know what? It's it's, it's odd you mention that because. Perpetual Grace reminds me of nothing so much as a Jim Thompson or a Charles Williford novel. Um, just everybody in those books is an individual, yeah. good or bad. Um, and that's, I mean, that's kind of what I so value about your writing is that 
it's not afraid to be, you know, literary. It's not mm-hmm. afraid to be. Well, there there is a commonality, and I, and I get it about, <clears throat> about those two writers, and that's cool, really cool to hear. But um, there's a kind of science fiction short story called The Ceiling by a writer named um, Kevin Brockmeyer. And uh, the in this story, the sky is is literally pressing down on people, and we realize it has a weight, and it's coming down. And at the end of the... At the end of the short story, you realize that it's starting to... The, the characters have to bear the weight of it until they're crushed. And I thought um, that's true of all the characters in those two novelists. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, they wake up under the weight of the world. Absolutely. And um, that often means economic oppression. But it can also mm-hmm. mean cultural oppression. It can mean familial Psychological, oppression. Psychological, you know. Yeah, or to have burn so many bridges that you realize that there's no way off now. Like you have, you burnt bridges 360 and you mm-hmm. wake up and say, there's no one coming. There's no way to get here. Like that I aim for with the characters. And then you realize that there's still a way. Someone could swim, someone could fly in. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I think about the characters like that. And I think New mm-hmm. Leaf, which is the Chris Conrad character from Grace, that he might've been the clearest kind of embodiment of that kind of plight. Well, he, he absolutely finds a redemption in uh, his actions when, when, you know, he has an opportunity to, you know, exact a, a revenge and elects not to, you know? Um, but there's a moment in there, boy, I hope, I mean, I know there's not enough of an audience for everybody to be able to call this to mind. So I hope I'm not boring your general audience. But no. There's a, he killed a guy because the guy called his dad a P. <laughs> and he yeah. tells what he tells the audience what a P is, and he, he killed a guy for calling his dad a pussy. Well, <laughs> and then you know? served his time and got out, and and then Terry O'Quinn, the sheriff, puzzles over. Keep that, that in mind, son. <laughs> <laughs> well, no one's gonna call you a P. Not to my face, usually, yeah. you know. Uh, and then Terry, the sheriff, just he 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 wonders over that. He say like this earth has men on it who will kill another man for that. Yeah. And who will kill another man for whatever is in their wallet, which is a, a question mark when you're robbing somebody. It could be $2. Yeah. Right, right. And it's like door number three, and that's good enough to take a life. And anyway, it, so it, it is a dark show. You know, also uh, the scenes between um, Kurtwood and uh, Terry. Terry. Yeah. Yeah. That tango of silences that speak volumes i mean well we were talking to terry last month about how you know just those dialogues they have in perpetual grace compared to you know the dick cheney episode Uh you know and 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 just (laughs) how good they both are and just how just the contrast between them both they just i don't know we were talking to terry and terry's like waving us off he's like whatever i I don't want to hear this but we're like no no you don't understand these scenes are they mean something to us. No, it's you a, know what? The, the, and that was the best class I ever got in my life was watching that those guy work. Two, yeah. Those talk about longevity and and not you know, you know, never oh, going stale. selling yeah, out yeah, or absolutely. you know or, or you know doing a shtick or anything. You know, keeping true to yourself. Those actors are just being great all the time. The yeah, guys. we we yeah. had we had the holy trinity. We had you know Kurtwood, Terry, and Deborah Winger. I mean, who, oh, she was great. I've never seen her. Yeah, my Patriot was draw magic. And, Patriot, uh, Patriot was magic because it had seasoned performers of whom you could easily say that, and then it had this younger group of Dorman and Chernus and Conrad. Yeah, you could say the same thing about absolutely. And so the power that operated on those two levels of trying to yeah, the younger people were trying to appease the older people, and the older people were just as damaged and wrong and headed in the wrong direction at full speed. I think it added up to make a pretty sweet show for Patriot. But in terms of grace, if we're, it's not over, there's still an opportunity to make more, perhaps. Um, where that show is headed is a face-off between Terry's character and Ben's character. Mm-hmm. So that's a place I would love to get that oh, round amen, man. 15 of that thing, like to watch Terry and Ben share 15 minutes of a face-off. Dude, that part when he's in the back of that truck with the can... Literally severing his thumb off. Yeah, is well, just insane. And I wanted to talk about the editing. I mean, I feel like the split screens. You were sort of experimenting with that in, in season two of Patriot. You know, yeah. you got a good split screen. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, sequence there, but that 
scene, you know, with the can and then uh, Ben in the back. And yeah. it's just. Oh, I remember we man. were doing that. We're, Jimmy and I. So Jimmy directed half of Grace and Timmy Whitaker, the great cinematographer. Yes. Who's our cinematographer? Absolutely. And, so, and his wife also oh, shot. Nicole. Yeah. yeah Nicole marvelous. did second unit on Patriot, which was essentially one one A. Yeah. Because she was shooting all the time. Yeah. But Nicole was a cinematographer when Jimmy was shooting. And then for my episodes, when Jimmy was prepping. But anyway, uh, we were prepping that split screen that was simultaneously, supposed yeah. to be simultaneously performed. And somehow we were so tired that we didn't realize we had to shoot it. Each We couldn't shoot them separately. Because <laughs> it wouldn't line up. And I, at some point, we both looked at each other and said, wait we have to we have to put two cameras in there and do this. <laughs> we fucked us up. We fucked up so bad. And this is like Ben's uh, second day. And uh, I thought we'd gotten too far into the first version where he would realize that we fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and I just asked Jimmy to just sneak a camera. And he's like, I can't sneak a camera onto the hood of this car. <laughs> it's but anyway, ben, sounds like the gimbal gypsy. You remember the gimbal ninja? Oh yeah, in season. Oh, that was amazing. Season two. It, it, you know what though? I, I gotta tell you, that's still like one of the most exciting sequences. Uh, when, you know when Mike leaves. Yeah. So it's, the what Tony is talking about yeah. is the and you know people have have um, mentioned to me the high wire shots from Patriot and that one is rarely in there because I don't think people realize that 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 was John sprinting from one train station to the... To the uh, other one. Yeah, to the succeeding one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and without a cut. And so that was a cameraman who was John's perspective who ran from one one um, train station in Paris to the next they one. They were on rollerblades, yeah. right? Yeah. No, one guy was, and the guy, and I think he did it a couple times, and I'm sorry if I'm stepping on the story here, but I, I think you were like, no, I needed to be on feet because this is too smooth. He's it was on the blades. stairs. Yeah. yeah, and then um, the the lovely Aus Austrian gimbal ninja did it on his feet. I think he did it a good amount of times because he was like really tired. But by the end of the night, we see him. We're like, gimbal ninja, what's going on? He's like, hello, oh, so good to see you. And he's like very joyous. Well, so what a gimbal is is a head on a camera. This is not for you guys. <laughs> yeah, A gimbal is a head on, on uh, your camera that allows for it to uh, bounce around and still be stable. Right. So this person could essentially run and then that camera could stay parallel to the ground. Yeah. Uh, so any, but beca it's because we cut into the bottom third with other footage that people took their eyes off of it. And didn't realize that this was happening in one. But it really was a great feat of Jimmy's that has gone unrecognized. I'll tell you, though, the, the, the shot that uh, Jimmy and, um, and uh, Jody, when we go and uh, rob the bodega. Um, oh, yeah. Eight-minute tracking shot. <laughs> yeah, it's well, just one of the I'll, most I can beautiful. put you in my perspective, which was uh, so and if, for the, your audience who hasn't seen it, it's a... Uh, seven plus minute sequence that un uncut so it's an uninterrupted camera shot the main character arrives on it paris underground walks up the stairwell up into the city into a bodega robs a gun gets in a shootout it gets his fingers shot off and then his friends assault the store owner and then all four of them the, our gang of patriot ensemble walk out back, out back out into the city, down the same subway stairs, onto the platform, and then onto an outgoing train. Without yeah. uh, that was very early. Do you on. remember how many takes we did? Because I do. Like seven, eight, eight. Yeah. It had to be eight. That was the magic yeah. one. Well, but that, that's you, the night Chris Conrad got a guy thrown off the set. I don't know. We're, we're in the bodega, and some guy who's evidently on crew or something walks up next to me, and he's. he's He's had a few. He puts his arm around me, and I'm, I'm like, was he an know? extra? He was, he was somebody. He worked in the art department or something, you know. And I said, you know, I'm, we're, we're about to go, so you're, you're gonna have to leave, you know. Oh, okay, okay, you know. And Chris walks over and he goes, well, what was that about? I said, some walked up, put his arm around me, and uh, wanted to chat, you know. And he goes, does he know we're we're getting ready to go again. I said that I, I think he's lit. You know, I mean, he smelled about a hundred proof. You know, and Chris had the guy canned. I mean, like you know. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, something that is as high wire as that. So, well, for your audience again, 
Tony's character, Mike Chernis's character, and Chris Conrad's character have to sort of lay in wait for the first four minutes of the scene, and then they have to hit their marks in the middle of this continuous yeah. shot. Oh, yeah. man. And if any of the three of them didn't do that precisely right, we would have to start over, and we really only had about 10 shots of doing it well. So I asked Dorman once, when we do these wonders, which is what we call these things that don't have cuts, like how how much more tense does it get as the clock goes by? And I wonder... Yeah, I could ask you that too. And he said exponentially. Like, oh, you, yeah. you get a good yeah. first minute and then you're nervous. Yeah. The second, and then there's a new level of nervousness. And then you get to uh, four minutes before it's over. There's a whole new feeling of tension. And, and uh, but somehow. I it, had that more on the train. Yeah. When we were escaping. That was, that was kind of my. Uh, I was nervous about was, you guys getting through the turnstile. That was the the tricky part. No, you know, thing. weirdly enough, we got we got through it fine. Yeah. You know, um, but uh, and I was nervous about hitting uh, hitting that guy in the head with the bag of dimes. You know, but when it came time, <laughs> when it came time, man, boom, yeah. lights out. You know, um, he was such a sweet guy. I remember our what first a, night, what I had a to, wonderful I had guy to ask him to lay down and milk. Remember, he lays down in milk during the song that explains how he came to get a gun. <laughs> and uh, I can't speak French. And he seemed like a, such a sweet guy. I'm like, I have to now. You have to lay down on your side. Yeah. And I'm going to pour a, a bunch of milk on the floor. And then please place your face down on the milk and smile. And he said something in French. And then the translator said, he said, what kind of show is this? <laughs> <laughs> there was There were so many kind of marvelous actors that were hired locally there um mm -hmm. the guy who played uh the uh detective oh gee yeah. Yeah. yeah um he he was a he was a friend of anthel fugard oh, i had no idea master harold the luke, boys. Luke, luke schwartz is his name yeah um no no not gee the guy who played the uh father of the young detective woman who gets brutalized oh, by Mike. right 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 uh, his name was Dem. Um, he he was a contemporary of Anthel Fugard. He did Master Harold and the Boys and the Blood Knot and uh, and he, the guy was a giant. In didn't Parisian you have, theater? Didn't you have beef with one of the the, the French actors? Guy or Luke? <laughs> Luke. Yeah, Luke. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, we had a bit of a problem. You know? I get it. I, I see. I see a movie there. Um, just, <clears> he he <throat> told me uh, somewhere halfway through the. His first episode, he he didn't know any English, but he somehow decided he was going to learn an English sentence and then say it to me. So he walks up to me and he goes, "You are my first alien director." <laughs> my first alien director. Yes, my first experience with an alien was you. Uh, yeah, he he was uh, he was an acquired taste. Uh, if he uh, never mind. I remember. Well, I tell you what, he was he was perfect. He was perfect well, for that part. Yeah. Well cast. Yeah. 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 Well, that I can I can say this about Luke Schwartz. Uh, that is his. He walks around with that haircut. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> right. Give that was a choice. <laughs> I, I, I stared at that for a little bit. He too. showed up like that. I thought. I thought. Man, you know, Steve really outdid himself giving this yeah. guy this like dog the bounty hunter fucking mullet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was walking around on the set and one of the crew members, he'd been looking at me and he'd be trying to say something to me. I was like, what's up? He was French, but he, he knew some English. He's like, have you ever seen the Batman Returns, uh, the Penguin? <laughs> <laughs> I was crying. Yeah, yeah. I mean... It, but I thought he was pretty fucking good in that, in, in that man. I, it was it, hysterically so, funny. Wait, you know? he, I mean, we've been debating this. Wait, now we can finally... Does he really roll? He does the roll, he right? He does that. Yeah, yeah. He no, you no, he, said he did it. you said they cut and did a stunt man. I'm like, no, no dude. He, he there was, was no cut. He did it. Surprisingly. So you admit it. I admit it. Okay. I admit it. Yeah, he was surprisingly nimble. <laughs> yeah. But okay, I, I can solve that. I can also say say this about Luke because he doesn't speak English. He's never going to understand this <laughs> yeah. unless you guys are, have gone worldwide in this translation. Maybe we dubbed just this part. This of is it. the thing I will never do again. Uh, we uh, had to give him an earpiece and someone and had feed to him read, lines? and feed him English when all for all of his English stuff. Someone was feeding him. Not been me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dennis the menace. Yeah. <laughs> I called you this because everywhere you go, there is little troubles. Yeah. <laughs> so oh my this is God. someone saying it to him um, as he's 
acting and I will not do that again. Yeah. And that's not Luke's fault. That's me not doing my homework and realizing that I shouldn't be writing English for him. So that's totally on me. He's great. Yeah, I mean, he was he, he was marvelous in that part. I mean... Well, Chris had to hang in there. I mean, that, it's hard oh, for the God. listener. It's really hard for the other guy in the scene to sort of stay present while the other person's <clears throat> listening to their lines. So Chris, I commend Chris for, for being in the moment. Yeah. There. And Chris no better person than like Chris, this. though. Waiting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I could see him being like, sorry, and then Chris being like, dude, it's all good. It's all good, man. And yeah. then, and then, you know, he, he was favorite... good at killing tension, man. You were, you were uptight about something. He was like, Tony, man, relax. Yeah, Tony, relax. Yeah. I can tell you, the, 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 this is a different kind of interview situation for me because we're all, we do it together and we're all such pals. Yeah. Uh, so I always just feel like I can say things here that I wouldn't say somewhere else. But uh, because no one has pointed it out to me, I... During the Black Lives Matter event of us trying to get through that, I had never been prouder of a scene than the those four French cops at the urinal. Absolutely. Like, like I, absolutely. I, I felt like somehow that one would kind of come. The point would come across. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't seem to have come across. Uh, anyway, that I have. I've fielded a lot of questions about that scene, but it is always, did you have to cast actors or did you have to build? Build prosthetics. Effects, yeah. You know, you know the one thing I, I think that I'm, I'm proudest of about our show is that the through line for all of it is the contempt that most of the characters have for the abuse of power. Oh, I mean, even, yeah. even, even Terry's character kind of hates himself for what he's doing to his son uh -huh. but he can't stop well we have good there's good stewards of that of that world there are good policemen aa adara the, yeah. the french detective mm -hmm. i mean yeah honorable and decent and oh, good. Yeah. and john who essentially is implementing some sort of uh, systemized kind of law enforcement um his heart's in the right place yeah i mean i i uh and jack jack was a cop yeah, and Jack Jack badly wants to redeem himself. Well, just find some way to uh, uh, justify his time on the on the planet. And yeah. the greatest thing about season two for Jack was, for the first time on Patriot, Jack has friends. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, yeah, and, it's, and and subsequently, that's a gift he gave to John because John, for the first time, John has friends. Yeah, yeah. and um. When you know when they're dancing in that bar and and uh, and and Booney shows up, you know Rob. Um, there's just something magic about the shooting in on those days. It's well, that just... that day that well, it wasn't the the day that Boone showed up. It was the park day. That's my single favorite day. Of... Oh, the day we were out right before yeah, we my broke. Right day before of... we broke for uh, either Christmas or Thanksgiving. Yes, but mm -hmm. it was my I think my happiest day on a film set. Yeah, yeah and it I couldn't. Was a lot of fun. I, and I. I didn't know why I felt so good. And I looked around. I thought everybody's here, like everybody who contributes to the show, and who I've come to really, really like. We're all in one place. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was honestly, uh, I think it was one of those moments that uh, the weather that kind was of, sweet. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, the weather was nice. And you know what? I saw more gorgeous birds in Luxembourg Gardens where we shot that. You know, it's a great mm -hmm. park. Yeah. What do you think that was? The you know that chemistry because that's not that's was, not every day. You know that's. I, I know, no, and believe me, I've I've not ever felt that on another movie set. Yeah, ever. I, you know, you know, I've I feel like Dorman is a huge part of that. You know, I I mean, he, the guy know, he hugs is. every single crew member before he can get in the van to get some sleep. It's yeah. just it's pretty yeah, he's, incredible. He's a lovely guy. Uh, he's, he's a special person. Yeah. You know, one one night, um, do you remember the night we had to put him in the Uber? No, him, no, him I wasn't. Antoine, that, okay. I wasn't there. You got back and told me that. Yeah, one. Uh, him and Antoine had uh, evidently been out, and somebody said something. You know, to Mike? they were playing snooker. I think to Antoine. Oh, and uh, and Mike was having a hard time letting it go. So this is about one thirty in the morning in the hotel. So he goes, "I'm gonna walk back," and it's like four miles, you know. And me and Antoine look at each other, and it's like. He's not walking back home. He's going back to that place, and you know, he's going to stack asses, you know. And I'm thinking, oh fuck, man, this, this guy's the show. So 
We borrow his phone and we we call his wife. Yeah, if something happens to Mike, there's not a lot left to shoot on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like it's like I don't want to go back to Chicago yet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have his wife. Oh, and also you like Mike. Oh, like, everybody him. likes I Mike. I love him like yeah. a brother. You know, I mean, well, every time I mean, he comes through town, yeah. we we drag him to Oshaval. September. And, yeah, I know he's coming. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. We have to it, we have to have a little shindig. Let's do it. Uh, he uh he wrote that beautiful song about you, man. The 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 heart of the blue whale. Oh, I don't man, know if you recall yeah. that. Yeah, I, I, re- I recall it, and every time I hear it, I like, I like bitch up. Yeah, you know? that was so just like, man. That's a great title. Yeah, yeah. I think he recorded it while he was like messing around, uh, like maybe had some off time doing the songs on Patriot or something. I don't know, but he like it was during his time recording, and then he sent yeah. that out. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, we it's, should, it's we weird. Should... I mean, we became very, very close. Yeah, you know? like with Chernus too. With, with Chernus was Chris, beautiful. You know yeah. what I mean? I had, well, the the cool thing it was fu- it was fun seeing Chris Conrad the dad. Oh yeah, I that's met a Nate. New thing, you know? yeah. Oh, Uncle yeah. Steve. Yeah. 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 How's that feel? Yeah. Um, well, I, I I am an uncle already. Okay. Okay. But my uh, niece Cam lives in Florida, so I don't okay. get the chance to see Cam too much. But little Nate's in Chicago, so I, I, nice. I yeah. just I just went up to see him yesterday. He's the cutest awesome. kid in the world, too. I mean, just yeah. adorable. Yeah, but Chris is pretty cute being a dad. So. I gave him his first work of art. Right yeah. Now. I gave well, him the end, that's, well, the end that's from pretty the alphabet. Consistent, Con- that's congrats to my kids. To, yeah, yeah, congrats to Chris. And yeah, I think I think Chris is a perfect model He's the most you know? doting father you've ever seen. I, oh, you know? man. I, I can't wait till he shows Nate Hall & Oates. Yeah, like, we, yeah. me and Chris got a thing where we really like Hall and Oates, and then uh, I do too. What, nobody wrong with Hall and Oates. Uh, I mean, you know. But then he asked me, he was like, he was like, "Do you like Vampire Weekend?" And I was like, "Ah, well, that's no, right. Yeah, that's gotta, where I got to stop you, you know, there, Chris." Gotta, Everybody uh, has their own lines, yeah, and their yeah, ours yeah. are always different. Yeah, yeah. But no, no. Me and him would would sing Hall and Oates, and uh, what is the what is his name? Uh, the producer, the line producer, uh, Mike Nelson. Mike Nelson. He he caught us singing it, and he's kind of looking at us like we were a little deranged, and we were like, "What? You don't like Hall and Oates?" And he's like, "Uh, no." And um, <laughs> Mike's Mike's got refined taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I I hit him with the, "Oh, you can't go for that, huh?" And then uh, Chris thought I hit the, like I I wrote the best joke ever, but uh, I don't know. We'll, That's a and then good and one. then and then you said you said you can't go for that. No can do. No can do. No, no. But uh, no. Hey, but how's Nelson? How, how's Mike? I doing? just I traded messages with Mike yesterday. Yeah, uh, he's great. His family's good. So Mike Nelson is our line producer and our producer. He does both jobs. And the line producer is the the person who takes on the obligation to make sure you don't spend any more than you have. And it's tough on a film set because it's I, I need a, a line producer. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I could use one too. Oh, I'm glad I don't have one around. Uh, but Mike is the best at that. And and what you generally find with directors that they're always working with a new one because you just can't get along because you're at odds with each other. But Mike mm-hmm. has been on no, everything great. I, I mean, do, Paris... which I think is a testament to Mike just being a superb person and yeah a lovely guy i mean i uh man you know i'm on season one i didn't really know the producers except bruce you know um uh i didn't really you know i didn't know charlie Goglak. he's a lovely guy but i didn't get to know him at all mike i got to know you know and i mean he was uh he was just warm and accessible and um you know, at one point, uh, I take a diuretic every morning for part of my, you know, uh, heart medication. And so between takes once in a while, I, have to, I would have to run, you know, honest to God, four or five blocks to find a bathroom, you know. And I, I just... I, said, could, I picture you running like Jack ran in episode <laughs> one. Oh, of kind of, yeah, two. yeah, kind of with my hands over my yeah. crank, you know. But... um. Rehearsing. Thank you for thank you for that. By the way, I'm I've rehearsing. never seen my dad run in my life, and now I have footage of it. Well, I, I didn't mean to hijack your story. <laughs> by but, by but, the but, way, by the way, uh, that, that that was Jack running. That's not how I run. Okay, let me. I, I can. There is a moment though. I've now, there is a moment where Tony comes out, and I can tell you exactly where it is, and then you can get back <laughs> to the story. So Tony's running, and we're. Montmartre or somewhere like. Montmartre, yeah. Yeah, it was beautiful, but it's like two o'clock in the morning. And t- 
Tony's running, and I did. Tony had had surgery not not so long ago, and then now he's running less than a year. Yeah, and I didn't want him to rehearse because I didn't want him to run too much. So he's running this path for the first time, and he's doing he's he's hauling ass for Tony, and. There's a moment, and you can see it on screen, where he realizes that he's starting now to go downhill a little bit. <laughs> he wasn't expecting to. So his oh, yeah. eyes open, and yeah, he's like, he's oh, like, God. I'm going to go run on my ass. I'm going yeah, faster exactly. than I yeah, was. Yeah. <laughs> but you get back Who knew character. I could go this fast, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I got through all the running really well. You know, I mean, I, think I remember you lost we, some weight because of it, man. Because I lost 17 pounds because in, in Paris. Not yeah, only were you walking all that. the time, but that running had to do some, it had to speed up a little of the process because you came back like, like slimmer. Lean. And we yeah. were like, whoa. And I think that was you actually a little did, problematic for your character. Every then. time we'd have a uh, meal, you know, lunch or, right. or dinner. I would not even go near the hot table. I, I thought you were going to say How wild did it food. get over at the Republic? Because I stayed away from there. <laughs> yeah. Somebody asked me if I wanted to stay there. It was like, a, well, yeah, stay it was... there with, with, with Tony and Dorman and out in the way. Do you remember the night we went out with all the crew? Well, you couldn't get an hour of sleep with this guy in the lobby. He'd be like, no, Max, you got to stay in here. Let me tell you about this. And you would the... think that the staff would have come to eat. They loved us. Yeah. They loved us. He charmed them. Um, uh, well, between me, your brother, Mike O'Connell. Um, O'Connell. Oh, God, that yeah. was hilarious. Oh, O'Connell. I mean, that's that's a... That was my biggest fear, O'Connell wandering in the lobby, because then I knew I wasn't going to I, wasn't I had every, every morning I had off, which was one day a week, Sunday morning, Mike and I would, Mike O'Connell and I would meet at 10 o'clock, and we would just spend the day together, just go to museums and go yeah, get yeah. a list of things he wanted to see. Gardens. Did he carry his, his cabbage patch? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Marcus? I never asked why. I just you know. Okay. Well, even if you do ask, and then he explains why he carries around a cabbage patch, cabbage patch doll, it won't make any sense to you at all. So <laughs> well, just accept it. There's, you know, I've seen the 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 Living Wake. Is it? Yes. Yeah. A very good movie. Yeah, it's a wonderful yeah. movie. This is I mean, Michael Connell's. Yeah. Uh, Michael Connell directed this. Yeah, no, no, he did not direct it, but he he shared writing credit and he's the lead performer. Yeah. And yeah. Jesse Eisenberg is in it before he's, you know, he becomes Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. It's a very good movie. All that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the thing I love about Mike O'Connell, man, is like his his music is... Uh, yeah. Asian babies. <laughs> well, I, and, and just, I, I'm totally crazy. I, I, yeah. I just, that... I could listen to that for for forever, and it's just like it. It's yeah, maybe it's just comedy. Maybe Mike it's is just he's this, unlike any, unlike anybody. No, else. He's in his own he's world. Like so we're we're talking about the comic performer Michael Connell, who's um, in Patriot, uh, and he is a voice in Ultra City, and he's one of my dear friends. But I I met Mike at a film festival. I was mm -hmm. judging it, and um, I saw The Living Wake, and. I thought this is so good no one else is going to like it. And we did the jury thing and I realized I was the only person on the jury who thought it was good. And I thought, man, this guy made a great movie and he's not even going to get any recognition for it. So I went across the street to a bar and there he is at the bar. And um, I, I just walked up to him and I was able to say, hey, that was really beautiful. And yeah. Then he was able to say to me, who are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I say, well, and then we've been together ever since. Yeah. Or, or he could turn to you and say... John Fogarty, it's great to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, just the whole experience of uh, of Paris. Um, I, I got to tell you, you know, I, everybody keeps saying, you know, there has to be a season three of, of Patriot. There has to be. If there ever was, I wouldn't mind starting it there because there's a lot of shit we did in Paris that. We really can't walk away from so easily, you know? Yeah. I, I, You know, Mike Chernis wasn't so into it. <laughs> I remember when we were wrapping up, he said, uh, hey, if we do season three, do we do we have to go back to Paris? I'm like, <laughs> Michael, like what Paris? are you saying? No, he liked, I mean, he's, he, I don't know where it's perfect for Michael, but but I like that that wasn't it. Like there was something ahead of him still where, you know. Well. He goes to the Grateful Dead shows, if that tells you anything. Oh, <laughs> it's like, I love he loves the, the dead. dead. So do I. Yeah. Boy, he is really something. I mean, he... Man, no wrong moves ever. No. Man. And he's, I, like, I, he's he's doing great now. He's got his own he's show He's a great now. actor. Yeah, he's you know, great. I mean... He's, he's really great. I, I was a really great guy. Yeah. I mean, we, I, I, we had so much fun yeah. with him. He, he, 
the cool thing about season two for me as a director is that that gang got essentially to do ensemble performances the whole Absolutely. year. They got together like in three and then stayed together all the way through the end. And Michael was, if you'll, I think you'll understand when I say this, that he sort of, he, he ran that little group at a, at a clip. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Like that, his performance was, was, was kind of temperature setting. And then, I mean, not that anybody could like have done it that. We're I'm, around the counter, and his yeah, wife comes and, and in. And you know, we have three I have, takes. I have to go, I'm Jack Birdbath, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike, you know, his, yeah. his, and then pace, his pace was exquisite. Yeah, chastity you know? has that great, of course you are. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I could help. <laughs> Who are you? Well, Chern, I mean, Chernus is the most generous, probably, of them all. I mean, all the, all the, People he, really he has is. to kind of stare yeah. in the face and and act with you know everyone from Terry to to AZ to um, he's brilliant. Yeah. Michael Michael was charged in the pilot and then in the ensuing early episodes. A really he had that bandwidth of tone that went to comic, and he had to do it with a boundary that was still real. And yeah, which, mm -hmm. which you know that that that's where shows break. Yeah, absolutely. And so he had a really tricky tricky bit of business to do and he did it i don't remember ever directing michael Jernis. Uh, especially that part where he's explaining to kathleen monroe who played uh alice yeah um uh, john lakeman's wife uh that he's a tavner you know he, he goes a long way to um kind of set a boundary with her but he does it in a way that's like kind of beautiful and gentle but still like iron, you know, like but steel. You know what I regret? I regret asking him where he wanted to go after he told me he didn't want to go back to Paris. I, I lay awake. I'm like, where did he, where did Michael want to go? <laughs> Just staring at the Dude, Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, that'd man. be great. You ever been? No, I've never been there. Oh Asia. man, it's phenomenal. Well, you do know one of the recurring ideas for three was that John is trying to find the puppeteer. The puppeteer. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, I think the beauty of season three is it can start at any, I mean, you know, knock on wood, everybody's healthy and, and ready to go. It could start at really any point in time in a, I mean, in a sense, because it, it ended on such yeah. a mystery where it, it, it does allow time to go by and, and you can sort of maybe put these mysterious pieces. That, I'm that, not telling that, you how to that write that your might show. Actually be <laughs> but, uh, fascinating, that might, might actually be a fascinating thing, you know, I mean. Well, the, the thing I learned about Patriot writing it and then, you know, um, capturing it was that the show really can do anything. Yeah. So uh, there's always a possibility. We just, ha you know, it's owned by, this is the thing that essentially, at the end of the day, I have the greatest amount of conflict about is that it's not owned by us anymore. It's owned by Amazon. It's mm -hmm. owned by a company. And if they, I mean, they don't even know that I do that podcast. And as soon as they find out about it, they're going to make me quit. So the structural dynamics of flow that we do, we try to do an hour every month, but mm -hmm. Ultra City got pretty demanding, but we're going to pick it back up soon. And um, it bothers me that at some point they can just assert that they own Leslie Claret and I have to stop writing this thing that means a lot to me. Yeah, There's no way around that. It, this, this, it's not France. This is how we make movies. You know? But, but I, it Might does. Might I submit that pain is a universal language? And you just point at the guy who says you can't do the structural dynamics of flow. Just, let me just keep doing it. I, mean, I just want to meet the man. Well, <laughs> they, I still got my bag of dimes. <laughs> uh, how many of us are there ultimately who who really contribute to that show? There's probably about fifty of us. Absolutely, and, and yeah. it it does bother me that all fifty of us would have kept making Patriot. You know, like it, it wasn't nothing, yeah. there were no cracks in the foundation. No. Like that thing was just getting stronger. And it, it is good to know as an adult that ultimately there will be this voice that comes in that intrudes into your plans and says, this is not going to go the way you expected. You've got to do a plan B. And But I'm really happy that even in our plan being, when we were inhibited from making Patriot, we all keep working together. Absolutely. And that the very good things are happening for Michael Chernis and Mike, and Mike Dorman and Chris Conrad uh Aliad Opheim. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's got a new she's show. Taken that's off, pretty yeah. cool. Good things are happening to Bruce Terrace and you're good, doing good. great. And then I you guys came and participated in Ultra City. So we're we're gonna keep we'll keep it together and till we find our next slipstream. 
That sounds really cool. Yeah. On that note. On that note. Uh, kid, take us out. Steve Conrad, thank you uh, yeah, for being our first, so much. our first part two. And, uh, oh, I'm honored. Yeah, and I just want to end with all the stuff you've made. Uh, you know, we're heading into a new decade, and uh, I, I'm excited to what's to come for not only you, but just movies and TV in general. I think we've finally gotten past, like, the superhero shit. So, yeah. With all, all that right. said, yeah. Amen. Okay, guys. <laughs> Amen. It's great, great singing and being and we want, Thank you. We want everybody to watch Ultra City Smiths on yeah, AMC+. I, Plus. Right. It is right. on AMC+, Plus, and then September 16th, it comes out on AMC proper, the linear channel on TV. Yes. Yep. Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Hey guys, this is Max Fitzpatrick of the Max and Tony Show. We just want to thank you guys for tuning in to our 93rd episode. Sponsored by Forbidden Root Beer. Next time you're in Chicago, check out their brewery on 1746 West Chicago Avenue. Shout out to Parkwalk Productions, home of the Max and Tony Show. Feel free to check out The Dime on 1513 Northwestern. We are going strong again until further notice. Check out The Dime and their new thing, TF Projects. Have any burning questions for Max or Tony? You probably don't at this point, but if you do, go to themaxandtonyshow.com where you can ask us questions, catch up on old episodes, and tune in for our next episode, episode 94. Who will we have? What will we talk about? Maybe the Bulls. Go Bulls. Bulls.